0: Today on the Zabecast, rumor season in the NFL, they are juicy, they are wild, and some of them might actually be true. Do we really need to, quote, fix the end of NBA games? I try to solve a listener's TV dilemma, and if somebody online offers you chicken Alfredo on a hot date, run! If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! Ho 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 ho! Wednesday, June 20th, 2018. Thank you for pressing play. It's just me today. And I figured, well, I better learn how to drive this car and do a podcast myself every now and then, just in case all of my friends eventually abandon me. Or go on strike and say, hey, Zade, you know, we've been doing your stupid podcast now for six months. Uh, nook, nook, where's my money? Uh, there is no money at this time, maybe later. So it's just me. Which is fine. Some of you say, you like me just being me. So with that, I'll go with it. Let me start with a couple of emails here. And I appreciate them and always send them to zabityahoo.com. I try to respond to every single one of them. Sometimes I miss, so if I do, if you send me an email and I miss responding, uh, don't get mad at me. I get a little bit lazy sometimes, a little bit sloppy. This one from Brian Brandzema. In Milwaukee, he says, Zabe's sweating to death at the Brewers game over the weekend on Father's Day. And my five-year-old daughter is complaining. I want to go. I want to go, Daddy. I start explaining to her how we will be leaving soon and then explain all the wonders of your ale theory. Once I had voiced this publicly to my daughter, no less than three other dads in my section comment about Essentially, in Zabe we trust, and way to go, you donkey. Thanks for keeping us dads in Milwaukee entertained. Happy Father's Day. Brian Bransva. I will take Brian at his word at face value on this, and if if that is true, then, my God, (laughs) makes me feel really good. Thank you for that, that there would be actually other adults, other men within earshot that uh, listen to Bob and Brian and listen to my segment with those guys. That they are a really pretty big deal in Milwaukee. I'm just an accessory to them. And uh, that they would say, uh, hey man, I hear Ale Theory, Zame! <laughs> way to go you donkey, get out of here, it's too hot. Miller Park does not have air conditioning, I found out. I thought it did. It only has heating for the cold, early, and late month of the season. But in the dead of summer, when it does get hot and humid and sticky up there in Milwaukee, which it does from time to time. All they got is the open roof and maybe some windows out there behind Bernie Brewer's slide. And that's about it. It's hard to get the air circulating in there, and it gets to be a sweat box. Or so I'm told. I've never I've been to a handful of games there, but I've never been when it was super duper hot, that's for sure. This one from Travis in Dayton, and I you might have heard about this either on Bob and Brian or on my show locally in DC. I had Travis on the phone. So I apologize for the redundancy. I have no idea, by the way, who listens to all three shows and how often. And You might have missed the DC show. You might have missed Bob and Brian. You might not even know about one of those two. uh, Or maybe you hit the podcast every third day. I don't know. So sometimes if it's something's good or or newsworthy or, you know, I like it, I'll use it across all three platforms, which is the case here. Travis and Dayton has a real dilemma. He says, Zabe... Today is my birthday. This was last, last week. And my birth and my wife surprised me by ordering 3 TVs. Angel singing. Hello. She ordered 3 TVs for me to put up in the basement so I could finally have the Zabe recommended tri TV setup. It was a great gift and I'm excited to get it going, but there's one major problem. She bought the cheapest TVs she could find. It's not that we can't afford nicer TVs, but when I delicately asked her why she chose those brands, she responded with, bah, all TVs are the same. No reason to spend that much more. I didn't want to explain the differences between nicer TVs and the ones she got me as to seem ungrateful, so I said thanks and proceeded to decide just how the three TVs will be arranged. My question for you is, if there's anything I can do about these cheap TVs... My wife feels she got me the greatest gift ever, and in a way, she did. But this is one area I don't want to skimp. She'll be disappointed if I take them all back and get different ones. Ever had to deal with something like this before? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Travis in Dayton. Well, I hashed it out with Travis on my local show, and I'll summarize that conversation. I said my general instinct, my first instinct, and my overriding instinct is, your wife is a keeper, and she has done something wrong. Wonderful for you. And Travis said he didn't even have to harangue her for this. He didn't have to beg her for this. He didn't have to trade anything off for this. Like, okay, I'll go to your in-laws for a week and whatever. No. He just mentioned it once or twice, and then boom. On his birthday, uh, Mrs. Travis swings into action, takes command, and says, here you go, three TVs. Now, I understand nobody likes cheap TVs, but there's a couple of caveats here. One, almost every flat panel TV or flat panel that is put into high-definition TVs, almost every single one of them is made in South Korea. So there's a real similarity about the guts of most TVs. What you get is you get extra engineering, whether it's Sony or Samsung or whoever, in terms of the processing of the signal that comes into the TV, either via HDMI or whatever means, and whether it's cable or... Uh, a Blu-ray player, etc. There's differences in the feature sets and you know the different picture profiles. It's a lot of mumbo jumbo. It's kind of a lot of dribbling through the legs uh, of TVs when it comes to the basics of the panel. But the basic pixel count, the 4K ness, and, and all panels now are 4K. I, mean, I don't even think you can get a standard 1080p panel. I think they're all 4K capable because it's gotten that cheap. So the TVs that Travis said he got were two scepters and one high sense. <laughs> they got him; uh, his wife got them from Walmart. I looked them up. Uh, they were cheap. The fifty incher, uh, the high was two hundred nineteen dollars, pretty good price. And the scepters were even a little bit less. They were like forty three inches and they were about uh, one eighty. I said, and I looked at them. I looked at the sets and I go. Listen, Travis, you're probably not going to like to hear this, but don't crush your girl's enthusiasm. Don't do anything other than just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is so great. Put those high sense and Scepter TVs up on the wall and just look at them proudly and bring your wife down and put your arm around her and give her a big old smooch on the cheek, if not on the lips, and say, honey, this is the greatest thing ever. I can't wait for you to come down here and join me in watching this glory because that's going to make her feel good and it's going to make her want to do something else nice for you in the future you taking the tvs back on eh, high sense i want a vizio is just going to piss her off it's going to make her feel inept clueless and not very useful around the house it's a bad thing go with it besides as i looked at the tvs on the uh, walmart website They've got a really nice casing to them. They've got a nice thin bezel, uh, which is the plastic frame around the panel itself. Nice, solid rectangular. Doesn't have any crazy big logos. Doesn't have any excess plastic or weird light-up thing. I mean, it, it looks good. That was my big concern. How will they look on the wall? And I think they'll look just fine. Also, if you really don't like looking at the actual brand name, to remind you, Cheap TV. Cheap TV. Then just take a little bit of black electrical tape and just put it right over, the, right over the name. I actually put black electrical tape over the Vizio logos on my twin TVs in my theater because they designed those to gently light up so it looks fancy. And that's fine if it's your only TV. But given I'm usually in a dark theater setting, I don't want to see the Vizio things light up. So I just put black tape over them and you can't even tell. When the lights are dimmed and you're watching TV, you can't even tell. The reaction from most of my listeners on the local show when they heard this was, are you kidding me? They're like, I want to make Travis in Dayton the fuck that guy this week. Your wife gave you three TVs with her blessing, bought them for you on your birthday, and you're looking at those sideways? Fuck you. You, you sir, have no idea. I'd kill for my wife to do something, anything like that. And then here's one more email regarding the grandma who choked out the bobcat, the rabid bobcat in North Carolina. I asked the question about, so I once heard that getting rabies shots was very, very painful, and my dad said it was like a three-foot needle that you had to take in your stomach. Well, it's worse than that, apparently. Jonathan from Sussex, Wisconsin, writes to say the following, Hey, Zabe, so on the rabies shots, it's not cool. It starts with a shot of immunoglobulin an immunoglobulin followed up by with the followed up with the vaccination on the day of the exposure. Then again, then again on day three, then again on day seven, then again on day fourteen. What's the shittiest part? Oh yes, there is a worse part to all this. The exposure day and subsequent other doses are all weight. Based. Yep, since you can only put so much fluid in a muscle group, this can amount to multiple shots in multiple locations all over your body on day one, day three, day seven, day 14. As an emergency room nurse, I gave this several times and I have given up to nine different locations on one person on one day. While this woman who choked out the bobcat is certainly a bad badass, the bobcat may have gotten the last laugh. I still only believe one girl has survived rabies, and due to the neurological side effects, I don't believe she is even close to being a fully functional human being. Best of luck, though. Love the show. You are the best there is, Jonathan in Sussex, Wisconsin. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling me the best there is. Okay, now I've got to find out more about this. He says, only one girl survived rabies. I thought that if you got rabies shots from an animal that has bitten you, that you either suspect to have rabies or you know has rabies, that you know as long as you get the shots, it's pretty close to a slam dunk. You're not going to get rabies. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe uh, someone like this who gets bitten badly by a clearly rabid animal like a bobcat over multiple parts of her body. Oh, good luck. It's going to be hard to fight this off. I do know that rabies, once it takes hold, is irreversible, and it is, if not deadly, it will fuck you up for life. And so, yeah, good luck to the grandmother in North Carolina, or in Georgia. Uh, We'll keep an eye out for an update to see whether or not she's doing, quote, fine. After this badassery of choking out a live Bobcat. All right, on with some other sports news of the doldrums of summer. It is NFL rumor season. And if you have an appetite for these rumors, then you're going to enjoy the next 30 to almost 60 days. Otherwise, if you're like me, well, actually, not even 30 to 60. Let's let's stop that for a second. Today's the twentieth. Shit. Call it 40 days. 40 days and we will be into training camps. Wow. Amazing. Anyway, if you like rumors, if you like silly stories, then this is your time of year because there is such a void, there is such a lull that certain things crop up that you say to yourself, really? Like, did that really happen or how much of that is true? For example, Albert Breer reported that the Patriots allegedly tried to trade Gronk Upwards of four different times to four different teams. And that it was causing such a shitstorm that Tom Brady himself threatened to retire if Gronk was traded. And that was when Robert Kraft had to step in and say, no, 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 no. We're not going to trade Gronk, at least not this year. Okay, that's a good story. It might even be true-ish or truthy as Stephen Colbert would say. But it didn't happen, number one. And number two, we don't know the full scope of just how serious the talks were. Everyone gets the sense the Patriots are sort of running out of patience with the gronk way of life. Although I don't think he's that big of I mean, shit, I'd have him on my team in a second. Who cares if he does goofy stuff off the field? Does he produce? And the answer is yes. The bigger question is, okay, how much more production is in there? And also you know what injury you know from an injury standpoint how many games can you count on him for in a given season the other thing that i think the patriots are coming to realize or not coming to realize i'm sure they know is that that offense is way too dependent on Gronk to begin with it needs diversification and I think they're trying to get there, but it's hard when you've got such a talent like him. You know, Brady's going to lean on him, lean on him, lean on him. Now, what's funny, what would be hilarious, is let's say they did go ahead and trade Gronk, and let's say Brady really was that pissed, and then Brady did, said all of a sudden, like in that recent interview I had with Oprah Winfrey, he announced his actual retirement, and he actually hung it up. And the Patriots are there staring at, holding their dick in their hands for the upcoming season. No Garoppolo. No Tom Brady, and they've just traded Grunk on top of all the other guys they let go in the offseason. From Vollmer to Butler, uh, on down the line. Uh, Amendola, Edelman's out. Oh, God, is that a wet dream for everyone who's sick of the Patriots being so good and so dominant? That day is coming, though, and we're all just tapping our watches, waiting, waiting patiently. When is the day coming in which Bill Belichick will actually have to? Put out a team and, and maneuver wins on a week-to-week basis without one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Tom Brady. Just I, I want to see that movie. I want to see how that goes. Because it's been a long time coming. Uh, what are we talking now? 18 years? Shit, is that possible? Patriots' Super Bowl win with Brady was in the aftermath of 9-11, that would be January February of 2002 2002 to 2018 that's okay the one divided by 6 cosine of 16 years Holy shit that's forever So we'll see we'll see if that day comes sooner rather than later but that's just just a rumor. Or as uh, Juicy Iverson likes to say, who told you that? Get out of my face with that crazy that's, that's stuff. That's phenomenal. Where you get that from? Because somebody that's told it to you? Did Tawana tell you that? Yeah. Asking Did Tawana you that? Wanna... Yeah. do ask me nothing. Did Tawana tell you that? I haven't spoken with want... All right, then. Don't All right, go then. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. What Don't go there with me. Don't go there with me. Have enough you want to keep it real, you keep it real with me. Because I ain't for no games. <laughs> Alan Iverson's mom <laughs> in a hasty press conference on the sidewalk outside her house after Iverson got in some trouble. I think this was just after he retired to the Sixers. Just body-bagging a reporter who was trying to get an answer out of her. (laughs) Body-bagging. Stuffed her in a garbage can. Did Tawana tell you that? That would be Allen Iverson's wife. Ex-wife now? Not sure. Don't know. Who cares? The soundbite's still funny. Speaking of rumors, so out of Atlanta, rumors are swirling that the Falcons, who are currently... I don't want to call it with their star wide receiver. They're not on the outs per se. They're not estranged from Julio Jones, but the Falcons are not. They're not tight. The relationship is rocky right now. Let's put it that way. Julio Jones apparently wants more money. Shocker. And part of me says I can't blame him. Uh, the other uh, thing is that he has apparently removed all mentions of logos, pictures, and references to the Atlanta Falcons on his social media platforms. Dun-dun-dun-dun! I haven't checked lately to see if there's any photos of him or Falcons references, but uh, the latest rumor, again, in rumor season is that the Falcons are not real comfortable with Julio Jones's uh, burgeoning relationship with one Terrell Owens. Old I love me some me. The Hall of Famer who refuses to play Sin City. The Hall of Famer who says, it's my party, I'll stay home if I want to. Apparently, T.O. was down there running 40-yard dashes with Julio Jones, one great wide receiver to another great wide receiver. And according to legend, or rumor, or the internet, Terrell Owens ran a 4-4 four, 40-yard four, dash on his 44th birthday. Four, not Well, maybe not on his birthday, but certainly when he turned, as a 44-year-old, T.O. ran a 4-4 four, four, 40 technically a 443 and technically it was hand timed which people who know football and sprint say uh, track say that's uh, not the most reliable of 40 yard dash times it could be could be quicker could be slower depending it could be slower it's usually quicker they say but whatever and the rumor is the the falcons do not like the influence, that T.O., he could be a bad egg. They don't like what he's putting in the head of one Julio Jones. Well, I mean, can you blame the Falcons if that's the case? That T.O. is saying, man, you deserve more money. You are awesome. You should hold out. Make a real headache for them. So these are the things that crop up during the NFL's free agency period, or the NFL's uh, dead period in the summer. When there's really, it's the calm before the storm. All front offices, coaching staffs, players have gone their separate ways. All the mini camps are over. It's just dead for about 45 days from now until the start of training camp. Once training camp does start, though, then it's on. Then we'll have stories that start to percolate up, and and it'll be on. We won't have football games yet, but those will be coming soon. We just got to get through the dead period. On the NBA front... It is now getting juicy as we approach the draft on Thursday. No, I don't have a mock draft available for you. I will read somebody else's mock draft tomorrow, and I'll say, done and done. That's the extent of my homework on the NBA draft. Um, I don't have a mock draft on, on the NBA, or I don't have a mock draft on the NBA draft, but uh, the draft is Thursday. And so in advance of the draft, where you know this is going to affect teams' directions, They've got to figure out, do we really have a chance of re-signing this guy uh, who claims to want to go somewhere else? And there's several big moving pieces. We talked about it yesterday with Timmy Murray. And the biggest, uh, I think the biggest wild card is Kawhi. The biggest piece is LeBron, but the biggest wild card is definitely Kawhi Leonard because people are trying to figure out what's going on with this cat. Word is that Greg Popovich visited Kawhi Leonard in Los Angeles a day ago to try to fully, you know, ascertain, okay, what's going on? Do you want to be a spur? If so, what's it gonna to take to get you to sign a max deal? And if not, why not? And where do you want to go and how can we help, you know, make this happen? Or whatever. I don't know what that was in the meeting, but you know, you figured I better go meet with this guy. I've heard and I've seen and I've read a lot of different opinions on Kawhi Leonard. Everyone, Every opinion from ripping his ass for being selfish and soft to other people defending him, saying, hey, fuck the Spurs. This guy's a badass. He was legitimately injured. And they're out there publicly calling him out like, hey, man, uh, this guy's soft. He needs to come back because we, we suck without him. I'd be pissed too if I was Kawhi Leonard that that's what my own team did to me. The juiciest and the wildest of the angles is that, and somebody floated this a while back, is that what if Kawhi Leonard is a closet Republican? And what if Kawhi Leonard has finally fucking had it with Gandalf the Woke's oh-so-righteous rants about Trump and politics and everything else? And what if Kawhi Leonard is quietly, privately, deep down inside saying, fuck this guy, I want out. That would be great if it comes to pass. That would be a fantastic story if it comes to pass. It would be a case of, guess running your mouth about stuff other than basketball didn't quite pay off for you there, did it? Pop! The backlash, though, against Kawhi would be pretty severe. Because you know all the left-leaning media that covers the NBA would turn it into a, how dare Kawhi let politics interfere with basketball, and doesn't he know how good a coach Pop is, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? I doubt that's going to come to pass, in part because it would just be too good. It'd be too juicy. It'd be such a perfect sports radio topic that I am already discounting that ever coming out. Otherwise, I don't know what Kawhi's going to say once he's finally out of San Antonio, which I think he will work his way out. I, I think the the bridge has been nuked. I think the relationship is unfixable. And I think he does want to be somewhere like L.A. How bad is the injury, though? And how dan- how much danger is there of it recurring at some point? All that, I don't know. But I would tend to bet on Kawhi Leonard as being a guy who's going to come back. He's going to be awesome. And, man, would I love to have him on my team. I've heard people say that Paul George might be a better fit in some places or might be a better component guy than Kawhi. <laughs> I don't see it. Now, I'm not as much of a pumpkin head as these NBA nerds, but just... From a from a distance, from a rough angle, I don't see. There's no way. Kawhi Leonard is way better, way better as a standalone piece than Paul George. But that's just me. Sometimes people say I've got dumb ideas that are unnecessary, like, say, the four-point shot. Okay? Guess what? I'm not the only one that sometimes come up comes up with dumb ideas that really nobody is asking for. For example, there is a story here on the biglead.com, Ryan Glasspiegel, headline, This is a phenomenal idea to fix the interminably boring end of NBA games. According to ESPN Zach Lowe, writes Glass Spiegel, influential basketball minds like Mark Cuban and Daryl Morey are interested in a solution to the end-of-game tedium in the NBA as to what the basketball tournament has tried in crunch time. The basketball tournament is some summer pickup tournament. It might be three-on-three. It might be five. I don't know what it is, but whatever. Here's their solution to the endless barrage of timeouts and intentional fouls at the end of games in the NBA. At the first dead ball under the four-minute mark, the clock will go dark. Turn it off. Clock's over. Officials then add seven points to the score of the leading team. The first team to reach that score wins. If Team A leads Team B 78-70, when the clock stops with 3.58 to play, then both teams play until one reaches 85 and they are declared the winner. By the way, I think that's worded poorly. Uh, you don't add seven points to the score of the leading team. I think what you do is you say, when the clock goes under four minutes, first time out, clock goes away, you take the leading team score, add seven points, and make that the target winning score. Meaning, if Team A is leading 78-70, then the new target score is 85. That's, that's how it is. I had to read that several times to realize, w- wait a minute here. The idea is being termed the Elam ending, named after Ball State University professor I, Matt Elam, who birthed the idea. Well, kill that idea. Strangle that ugly baby in its crib. Applied to the NBA, the clock would cease at the first break following the three three-minute three minute mark, he says, instead of the four-minute mark. There are some obvious pitfalls, all of which Lowe mentions in his piece. There would be no more overtime, and every end-of-game situation would feel a little bit like a buzzer-beater, that there's a true feeling of exhilaration when that happens with the clock running out, which would be lost. See, every game would be like, okay, we're about to hit 85, or whatever the number is, and three-pointer, we got it! In the basketball tournament, teams that were up would do things like call timeout quickly after the four-minute mark or intentionally throw a ball off an opponent and get it an out-of-bounds in order to trigger the unclocked period with their current lead intact. While this is something that even the NBA's executives, something that even NBA executive VP of basketball ops Kiki Vandeweghe told Lowe is, quote, really interesting, it's not something that is even on the docket to be tested even in the G League. That being said, this is the type of story that feels like a Trojan horse. Something has to be done to make the end of games as exciting as the rest of the product, writes Glass Spiegel. And in my opinion, this solution would be far more ideal than the way games currently flounder at the end. Okay, let me just summarize this. Boo! Boo! No, no, stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. You want the end of games to be as exciting, he says, as the rest of the product? Has he not watched the first quarter of an NBA game in the middle of the season? There's a reason why NBA arenas allow the home team to play music and and, and organ stuff during possessions. Because guess what? The place would sound like a mausoleum otherwise. It is not exciting in the first quarter. The rest of the product is not all thrills and spills. The other thing is, you know, not everything has to be exciting. Not everything in life is exciting. We're trying to drain the Lucky Charms box of all the corn puffs so it's only all marshmallows. Well, that's not how life works. It's not how sports works. Like, let's force it to be super exciting all the time. Well, then what? what's going to differ? If that's the case, then you're going to have to go and make something even more exciting because, like, I'm tired of all these exciting NBA finishes. We need something super exciting. So let's tweak the rules yet again. I think there's a lot of uh, unintended and unforeseen consequences beyond things just like calling a timeout or throwing the ball off somebody in order to trigger the unclocked period and the race to seven points, whatever that may be. I'll tell you what, you want to fix, you want to do something to improve the end of NBA games? Here's a, here's a wild, radical idea. Try this out just once. Get rid of timeouts in the final four minutes. I know. I know. Crazy, right? Make teams use their own basketball IQ and smarts, or whatever passes for J.R. Smith IQ and smarts. Make them use that on their own in order to just let the game finish out quickly. Of course, you'd then have to abolish any reviews in the final Two or four minutes because those are quasi timeouts as well, but I don't know. That's that's a crazy idea uh, to either get rid of timeouts in the final four minutes or give say to each team no matter how many timeouts you've taken you only get one now in the final four minutes. That would make the end of games flow a lot nicer in the NBA, and you wouldn't have to totally disfigure and say okay we're going to play a totally different game right now a game of uh, basically a game of let's first to seven, and if that ends up in a tie somehow. Then we're going to play a game of Horse, which will be really exciting at the end of NBA games. Finally, a humble request uh, before I wrap the show up with the kicker story here today, and I thank you for hanging with me this far. Does anybody know where I can find a copy, a DVD copy of the original Defending the Caveman? by Rob Becker. It's a one-man play. It's a one-man show. And I saw it in Charlotte with my wife back in 1996, I want to say. Something like that. The reason is this. And if if you can't find me where I can find the DVD of it, if there is such a thing, is there a full bootleg video of the performance on YouTube? I couldn't find it searching, a casual search last night. Or, if if all else fails, is there a script of the play somewhere because I'm dying to find something I swear was in defending the caveman and it relates to the way current political discourse is going these days in our country and discourse is a generous word it's really just rock throwing and arguing and motherfucking each other usually online but in defending the caveman I distinctly remember as part of him, you know, Rob Becker's explanation of just how different men and women are, he said how you know one time he was driving around in some new neighborhood with his wife, and his wife looks out the window and sees this lovely little uh, you know, house, this colonial house or something with shutters on it, a nice yard, and she says, "Boy, I'd really like to live in a house like that." And he said, as the man, his response was, "But what would we eat?" <laughs> See. <laughs> Don't you get it? No, I don't get it, Zay. What does that mean? The point is, men and women can sometimes think so differently that it's impossible to even have a conversation. She says, that's a lovely house. I'd love to live there someday or in a house like that someday. And the man says, but what what will we eat when we're in that house? Because they're thinking about two different things. I want to find out if that was the exact line or not. So if anyone knows where I can find Defending the Caveman, either in digital form, bootleg form. I really don't want to have to go book a ticket to go watch the play and then you know, record it secretly and wait and wait and wait. I also know that there's been different iterations of Defending the Caveman. I know that other people have performed it. I think Rob Becker, who wrote it, franchised it out so that other dudes who can play a modern caveman have performed the show in various cities. So that's what I'm looking for. I know, a needle... It's a needle in a haystack. It's a needle amongst needles in a haystack. It's it's a random thing. The reason that I want to find it once and for all is I honestly feel like this is where we're at now with uh, debates about current events or politics in this country. I saw in my timeline Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, sent out a tweet about what's going on at the border with uh, detainees and their families and their kids being separated and everything else. And his tweet was pretty much a, you know, virtue signaling, uh, soapbox standing, boilerplate tweet about if you see images of children wailing, uh, being separated from their mother and you're not shaken to your soul, then you have no soul. Okay, all right. I I went to read the responses to that tweet and it was just a, a gang pile of stick to sports, stick to football, shut the fuck up, you know, Yada yada yada, and then people trying to debate him on. Yeah, well, see, the problem is the policy, and this what's happening is human trafficking, and I won't even delve into it here. I did, I did do some reading up on it just to kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, all right, all right, yeah, okay. Here's the thing about that argument, though. Like, I could present something like, "Well, here's what I think about that. We should be doing this," and then someone's going to yell at me and say, "I can't believe you're supporting." that evil modern Hitler, Donald Trump. Even though whatever I say about here's what I think we should do is not in any way necessarily an endorsement of the current president, it's just something that the other side did not want to hear. It's the literally arguing past each other analogy of defending the caveman, I'd like to live in that house. Yeah, but what will we eat? That's what you pretty much get to quickly when it comes to these arguments. I will say this, it's complicated. It's complicated. Not a lot of people want to say it's complicated. They, they want to say things are simple. And I guess if you just isolate only the notion of a young child who has journeyed several hundred miles, if not thousands, with her family to a foreign land and is separated forcibly uh, from her mother or father or his mother or father, that is obviously unto itself, isolated. That one incident, of course, heartbreaking. Of course, it shakes your soul, as Floria would say. But that's not the whole picture. And there's other things that, if you're talking about solutions, would uh, be necessary to discuss. And other elements of it, you would have to accept and debate, and trade-offs, and compromises, and complications. Unintended consequences, kind of like how you fix the end of the NBA games. Well, if we do this, then what's going to happen next? Oh, yeah, one more thing. Florio did say, this is not a political tweet. (laughs) And then people said, yeah, it is. (laughs) It really is. Because on the one hand, you're not proposing anything. You're not proposing any solution other than to say, gosh, my heart breaks seeing this. Which anyone could say. Of course, there's something, like, I thought about this. What if you believed... Obviously, if you're a normal uh, human being with a heart and a soul, what if you believe two things that are seemingly contradictory? What if you believed, on the one hand, oh my God, this is so heartbreaking to see this. This is awful. My soul is in knots seeing this stuff happen. But I also believe that it is absolutely necessary because I believe that the way our laws are currently written and the way that this has evolved is that Children are being used as get-in-free cards to the United States, and they are being smuggled here, and they are being traded off and handed off and sold off and kidnapped, and then literally put under someone's arm to go, I'm here, let me in, it's my kid. Uh, you know, can you prove it? Yeah. Well, look look at the kid, he looks just like me. And that is causing untold misery for kids throughout Central America who are now being trafficked as pawns as get in tickets what if the, what if you believe in your heart of hearts that while this is gut wrenching and awful that it is the only thing it is the only thing that can be done or not the only thing but it is a necessary thing that has to be done for at least a certain amount of time from now until the end of the year for for a month for two months to temporarily separate these children so that the message gets out hey this no longer works. And so that fewer kids, fewer children are abducted and sold and humanly trafficked throughout Central America and Mexico to get into the United States. Because there is misery that goes, that extends way before the moment at which we separate the purported child from his parents. There is misery that goes all the way back to, well, how, how, much, how much were they crying on the trip there? How, how much uh, were they traumatized when somebody said, hey, guess what, you're going with Uncle George over here. What? I don't want to go. with a, Where are we going? I'm happy here. What? I'm five years old. See, we don't see that misery. Are we responsible for that misery? Are we only responsible for the heart-wrenching act at the border? What if we just closed the border? If we closed the border entirely and said, uh, you know what, no, go home. And by the way, the border is closed. I know that we're seeking, we're accepting asylum seekers, and we are, uh, you know, processing them as quick as possible. But let's say we didn't prosecute, uh, you know, the families coming over here because that's the the new thing. Their policy is, okay, we're going to zero tolerance. We're going to charge as criminals all adults that cross the border illegally, and that's going to mean a temporary separation of the kids if there's nobody to watch them but that's the way it is. And then they'll get reunited, and then they're sent back out of the country, and they've got a criminal record, so if they're caught again trying to get in the U.S., it's a stiffer penalty. What if instead of doing that, what if we just literally said, okay, we're going to put you back on the other side of the border, time to go home. First thing is they'd keep trying to get in because there's no consequence. It's kind of pitch till you win. Okay, they caught me this time. I'm going to try again, try again, try again. The other element is how traumatic would it be If a kid has traveled 800 miles in horrible conditions with his family and now they're stopped at the border and told, turn around, go home. That's traumatizing too, isn't it? By the way, I'm not saying I firmly believe in any of these solutions or policies because I'm not here to argue it with you. I'm just saying what if somebody held the simultaneous position of, yes, my God, this is heart-wrenching and it's necessary. That would seemingly be contradictory. I wonder how Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk would judge you if you had that dual position. Would he? Would he scorn you? Would he sneer at you and say you have no soul? Or would he say, "Hey, eh, you know what? That's a that's a fair opinion. I respect that opinion. I disagree with that opinion, but I respect that opinion." Ha! <laughs> no, of course course he's not going to say that so defending the caveman find me that i'd like to live in that house but where would we eat that's the state of our modern political discourse all right let's wrap it up on this one today a story out of ohio that honestly reads like it's from the onion especially when you see the photo of the guy involved headline Ohio man sentenced after attempting to seduce undercover officer with chicken Alfredo. What the hell did you just say? That's right. An Ashtabula County man who tried to seduce an underage victim with chicken Alfredo and Sprite will serve seven days in county jail. One Albert Maruna now 23 years old, was arrested in a sex sting back in December. He thought he was talking to a 15-year-old boy online, but it was actually an undercover Austintown police officer. Mr. Maruna arranged to meet the officer in Austintown. He said he planned to bring the lubricant, the Sprite, and the chicken Alfredo. He'll be on house arrest for 120 days and have to register as a tier one sex offender. When you see the photo of this guy, you say to yourself, Oh, of course. If ever there was a guy who thought that trading sex for pasta Alfredo, chicken Alfredo, was a great idea, and a worthy exchange, by the way, it'd be this guy with the doughiest, fattest, roundest, stupidest face ever, and an expression on his mugshot like, Oh, should should I not have done that? Of course, he's the kind of guy who would get wrapped up in, you know, falling for a chicken Alfredo for sex kind of thing. You look at this kid and you go, I bet he's responded to a few of these ads before, or a few of these come-ons before. Like, hey, uh, come over, Uh, all you got to do is... uh, uh, bend over take it from me and I'll give you a chicken alfredo and sprite and this fat kid was like I'm in and maybe he's like okay now that I've done this a few times uh see if I can't uh, pay it forward and 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 work work younger on this <laughs> I'll bring the lubricant the chicken alfredo and the sprite oh it's a date you know it's not funny to be joking about Sexual predators. Oh, yeah, shut up. See, this is why I have a Zabe cast. There's no program director to call me into his office. Ah, yeah. See, um, we don't really want to go down that road. That's why you're here and I'm here. Because stories like this are goddamn funny. Now, it's good that this perp is going to do seven days in jail and maybe he's going to reform his ways. But, you know, parents, watch what your kids are doing online. You never know when some fat turd like this is going to be enticing your young boy with chicken Alfredo and Sprite and ample lubricant. And it's also good that there's no sponsors of this Zabecast yet that will then call me and go, ah, yeah, Um, see, the thing about that story... Uh, regarding the, uh, you know... Uh, we have sort of a problem here. You know, the kid with the sprite and the sexual... Pre- we, we would just prefer if... no, see, we don't have to deal with that right now. We just deal with these stories. Is it... At the end of the day, is it... Is, uh, is sexual predation and luring minors, by any means, is that funny? No, no, it's not funny, funny. But certain elements and certain stories and certain iterations of it, oh, fuck yeah, funny. When you see this guy's face, you say to yourself, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, chicken Alfredo and Sprite, that sounds like a date night for him with a big bottle of lube, either in his parents' basement or, unfortunately, maybe at some other kid's house. Good work, officers, in Ashtabula County, Ohio. That will do it for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends and hit up that message board about how good this podcast is. Leave a positive review and rating. Download, subscribe to all the major podcast outlets like iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. And always remember, if you insist on bringing your own grocery bags to the store, you're not saving the planet. You're just making yourself feel better. Because one trip, one, to the local dump will make you stop and go, uh oh, oh, yeah, wait a minute. Look at all this garbage. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. dot com.